The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's not a rivalry if it's lopsided. And the Chiefs-Ravens rivalry continues to be lopsided in the favor of the best player in the world in the clear-cut best quarterback in the National Football League and possibly in the history of the National Football League, Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Your Kansas City Chiefs embarrass the Baltimore Ravens 34-20 in Baltimore. And honestly, the game wasn't as close as it looked. It, 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 the, the, Ravens are lucky about some things we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And here to help me talk about all those things are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, decent Monday night. Listen, I've never seen a two-score game be as lopsided as this football game was. This game was never close. It was not. When they pulled within one score, it was not close. This was dominance from essentially the first time the Chiefs took the field on offense onward. The defense played great. The offense was spectacular. The only blip on the radar, which I'm sure we're going to get to, is some special teams play. But this was a complete and utter dismantling of the Baltimore Ravens, who people were pining as some kind of matchup nightmare for the Chiefs because they were going to run the ball and control the clock or something. I don't know where people got that wild idea. It's pretty clear the Chiefs are going to own the Ravens the way that team is built for the foreseeable future. Well, and it also helps when you have an actual quarterback on your team. Yes, it does. You guys, (laughs) I'm just sad that this wasn't week four, so yet more people could mistake what Patrick Mahomes was counting off after his fourth (laughs) touchdown. He was number four on the NFL's top 100. This man is petty. This man is a competitor. I love him so much. The The Ravens ran for seven and a half yards a carry today. And guess what? It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Chiefs owned them all day long. This was wonderful. It was wonderful to watch. Uh, the Ravens won one facet of the game. That's it. And they got their their asses kicked in the other ones, frankly. So it was so fun to watch as a Chiefs fan. We talked about it before the pod real quick, just Patrick Mahomes, we know. like He went up to Andy Reid on that drive, and he said, I want one more touchdown pass because I have something planned. Because like we have heard directly from Eric Bieniemy, he is a competitive prick, 
And he wants the world to know it. He's willing to let the world know it. And he showed it on national television again, and he did it on purpose. Patrick Mahomes had more passing yards in the first quarter than Lamar Jackson had in the entire game. Patrick Mahomes, 31 of 42, 385 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, also threw in four carries, 26 yards, and a touchdown. The man was the clear-cut best player in the world. All this talk about Lamar Jackson and how better, how much better he's gotten as the passer. Just hey, I, hey, I don't sound like that. Hang on. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm, not, I'm excluding you, Craig. There's so many people fawning over Lamar. My man can't throw when they need him to. It has to be a script in the favor of the, the Ravens. They have to be playing from the front. And until someone, until Lamar learns to pass when he's trailing, the AFC runs through the Kansas City Chiefs and we could stop all this nonsense and pretend like the Ravens are a formidable foe. The last two times these teams have played, the Chiefs have embarrassed them. Scott Van Pelt called it fake close tonight. And he's right. <laughs> Another fake close game. For the Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens. The only reason this game was close was Dave Tobe trying to pooch punt a kickoff and Darwin Thompson fumbling. Let's just bunch those two negatives together and run, Maddie. No, 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 no. You do not get to be the only person that gets to slander Lamar Jackson <laughs> on this podcast, Matt kid. Cook. You do not get to railroad me out of my favorite pastime. Hashtag let Matt cook. Lamar Jackson, the only thing worse than Lamar Jackson in this football game was the Ravens offensive coaching staff's trust in him to do anything that remotely resembled real quarterback Big trust. play. The only time that he ever dropped back and threw a tradition, not even just a traditional pass, just had a normal drop back and threw the ball was over the middle to a tight end. And when he did, it went incredibly poorly. They're on third and eights and they're calling designed rollout plays that as soon as they're not open with the first read, Lamar Jackson's trying to run for the first down or he's having to throw the ball away. Greg Roman did not want Lamar Jackson dropping back to throw the football against the vaunted Chiefs defense, who played very well. Like, I don't mean that as a complete slight, but if you're afraid to let your quarterback throw against the Chiefs defense, you have bigger problems, and that's where the Baltimore Ravens were. Their own team didn't trust him to throw the football. When he did throw the football, it was absolutely horrendous. He was inaccurate. He wasn't very decisive. He had no concept of where pressure was coming from, how long he'd been standing back in the pocket. Like Lamar Jackson, before the second half, before later in the game, when he finally had a good drive where he ended up throwing a touchdown to Nick Boyle, was just one of the worst Carson Wentz level of quarterback play <laughs> you have seen in 2020. I just want to jump in here and say that if we take that last drive that the Baltimore Ravens had and you took out the passing yards on that drive, Lamar Jackson has 62 yards on the day. <laughs> 62 yards <laughs> passing. That's crazy. The Chiefs were in a shell and they were they were just kind of absorbing time because at that point basically time was run out. It was over. The Chiefs were up 14. It didn't really matter what the what the Ravens did. And they were in a hurry-up even and couldn't keep the Chiefs off balance there. 62 yards passing. That's abysmal. 
and I said coming into this week that Lamar Jackson had progressed as a passer. Which I he still had. stand by that. I still stand by that. <laughs> Just but not he was, games that matter. He was awful playing from behind. Absolutely awful playing from behind. And I'm shocked. D- yeah. Chiefs jumped out to a lead, and Steve Spagnuolo got to tee off. And boy, it was fun. He should have thrown two interceptions today. Legereus Sneed and Charvarius Ward both should have had one. And didn't. I mean, should Charvarius Ward? Because yes. like, does he ever catch that? Well, hey. I mean, he's got a bum hand. LASIK. The man has a bum hand. The LASIK, <laughs> he was locating the football. Lamar couldn't hit. It's Lamar funny. couldn't. No, it's my turn again. I get to cook a little bit. Of, Lamar Go couldn't ahead. hit an Go under ahead. route. Like they were trying to get. They were trying to set up a little yards after the catch play at the end of the half. And Lamar couldn't even complete that. And everyone's going to be like, oh, Lamar's weapons let him down today with all these drops. Look at the Which drops. No, time out. No, no. I, you can't give all – you can't put all the blame on all of those drops on him because some of the passes were still abysmal. They, like, it was like – it was a drop in the sense that he touched – the hands were touching the ball. But, like, it was behind him. Like, some of this was still Lamar not being able to make simple plays. Should we move on? Has everybody got it out? Have you got it out of your system? Yeah, I think we'll have to circle back to the Chiefs' defensive game plan against them, but we'll talk more then. We can move on to the only reason this game was close. Yeah, the only reason this game was close is two people. And it really doesn't matter the result of this game. I am still extremely frustrated at both of these people and will be for an extended period of time. Let's actually split them up. I was going to talk about them earlier or talk about them together just because we don't need a ton of negativity. But Dave Tobe, what are you doing? Why are you giving them a chance to return a play? The, the Chiefs were up at all the momentum, and then they give up a kick return for a touchdown to Devin DuVernay. I believe it's the first one for Tobe since he's been here in Kansas City. Dave Tobe has so much roster control over this football team for these things not to happen. And they still happen, Maddie. Listen, I think the idea, the concept to try these pooch kickoffs against the Ravens team who is clearly having an offense that was struggling was is absolutely insane. I don't understand the concept, what the game plan was with them. Like, I think that was a horrendous call by Dave Tobe. Just kick it out of the back of the end zone, go with the touchback. Even with these pooch kickoffs working the best, you're maybe gaining five yards of field position. I do have to say, on the one that was returned for a touchdown, Harrison Bucker left the ball a little bit shorter than he did on all the others. And he put it not quite as high in the air. Like, the kick was not good. Darwin Thompson didn't have great integrity on his coverage lane. He got let somebody get outside of him. It's like, there was execution errors as well. That said, I blame Dave. When, you're the quote, when you're the quote unquote best special teams coach in the NFL, and you get to control like 33% of the roster for your special teams unit, you are not allowed to have this game plan in this game that potentially changed the momentum if it wasn't for the fact that Lamar Jackson was attempting to play quarterback. Now, here's the thing. We say he's not the best special teams coach in the league. That's the first kick return touchdown since Dave Tobe's been here. No grace. No grace. I mean, listen, I'm with you. Uh, That's a poor decision. You got to kick it out of the back of the end zone, especially a guy like Devin DuVernay. I, Devin DuVernay is 
electric with a ball in his hands. We loved him in Mobile, but I that's a situation. Darwin Thompson's got to be better. Special teams as a whole was poor. Harrison Butker missed a field goal and an extra point after being money last week. I mean, I'm glad that it was the role reversal that it was, but still, this is a situation where Tobe's unit did not have a particularly great game here, and it it looked like the Ravens were going to play themselves back into this game because of special teams. Because at that point, the offense was cooking, the defense was playing really well, and special teams allowed the Ravens to get just a little bit of momentum on top of the other guy that we're going to talk about here, Darwin Thompson and his fumble deep in Ravens territory. Well, he also did get out of his rush lane. He did. On special teams. It was a rough night for Darwin Thompson, and I'm pretty sure the experiment with him is about done. You know, he finishes with a couple of really nice runs, but decides to fumble the ball. The Chiefs were looking to put the nail in the coffin on the Baltimore Ravens. They were going to go up 24. They were, I mean, like, 80 was just throwing everything out there. They had a triple reverse pass to Mahomes, trying to take a shot play down the field, wind up throwing it to Clyde, who still gets a first down out of it. They're driving. They're doing everything. Andy's having fun. He's about to go up 24-0. And Darwin Thompson fumbles the game. And then the rest of the half turns into a little bit more stress than you would like. Because we all respect the Ravens, even with all this Lamar slander. You never know. You know, he could catch fire. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) I was nervous. I was a little bit nervous. And Darwin just, man, my guy could not get out of his own way on special teams or on offense, Matty. Here's the issue I think you have with Darwin Thompson. I think it's pretty evident some of the plays drawn up for Daryl Williams do not have the result that you would like when you compare his athletic traits to Darwin Thompson or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So when you need to give Clyde a break, you have to put somebody else on the field. And I think as much as we are all tired of probably seeing Daryl Williams go out there and pick up five yards when 10 plus yards is available, or when you see him kind of just look like he's not moving at the same speed as the other two running backs, you're really tempted to put the better athlete in Darwin Thompson on the field and let him make plays. He looks good in space. He really does. He just makes so many mental errors, whether it be running the wrong route, not getting his head around at the right time, questionable vision sometimes on some runs, and then you just have this issue where it was a very good hit. I don't think he was particularly holding the ball poorly, but that big fumble, also with the special teams gaffe, like it's hard to keep fielding Darwin Thompson as your third running back if he's not going to play a pristine game consistently, and I don't know how you have the trust in him to do so at this point. Yeah, he gives you the juice, but you can't put the ball on the ground. We saw Andy Reid bench uh, Shady McCoy last year for putting the ball on the ground, for not being trusted with a lot of the offensive play calls. It's very clear that Darwin Thompson has a package set of plays, but he can't do everything. And then if he's blowing special teams assignments and he's putting the ball on the ground, that's just a really rough situation for the young running back to be in I mean obviously with his skill set we want him to take that next step to be that guy because he offers a little bit of juice but if he loses Andy Reid's trust and Dave Tobe's trust who's he there for right no I I just I I don't understand if if that's gonna happen I mean (laughs) 
I don't think they're. I think they'll hold on to him. But I mean, there's there's a lot of trust lost. I think there. Real quick, we got to talk about this. This is from Matt McMullen. Does a great job with the Chiefs post game injury updates from Coach Reed. Lejerry Sneed hurt his right shoulder. They'll run some tests tomorrow. Chris Jones also tweaked his groin. I believe that that was at the end of the game. Andrew Wiley was scratched with a stomach illness. They hurried him to the hospital, and things worked out okay. That's great to hear. We gotta st- we gotta talk about the Legarius Sneed injury. That was a little nerve wracking early in the game. Sounds like it's a shoulder. I believe it was diagnosed at one point as a collarbone injury. But Maddie, that's a big loss for a secondary that doesn't have a ton of talent already. Yeah, it. I mean, it's gonna hurt. I think it's. To me, I think Legarius Sneed's already the best cornerback on the team. I mean, he's young. He's a rookie. There's going to be some ups and downs. But you just watch him on a rep-by-rep basis, and I think he's somehow already the most consistent. He's the most dynamic guy out there. And it's just he's the guy that I think matches up the best across different types of wide receivers. And so losing him is going to hurt. The good news is Charvarius Ward was healthy enough to go out there and play this week. He's only going to continue to improve health-wise with, you know, playing with the cast and everything. So you're getting him back now, hopefully. Rashad Fenton had a solid game this week. He bounced back from a pretty rough game the week before. He had a nice, solid week, albeit, again, Lamar Jackson couldn't challenge anybody playing outside. Mm-hmm. And then, so and you got those two guys. Antonio Hamilton's still out there. We're going to get to some other defensive players that, and maybe another defensive back that's underrated later on. So it's never good news when someone gets hurt, but it's coming in a decent enough time that you are going to get Breland back after one more game. Ward's back now. Fenton seems like he's on the uptick. Like, if you have to lose Sneed for a couple weeks, hopefully that's the worst case scenario. This is a decent enough time to have it happen. I do like that they ruled him questionable initially and then kind of went forward from there. And after the Chiefs built back up a little bit of a lead and looked a little more comfortable, ruled him out. So I do think it may be as a situation where. He may not have come in fully, but I think that they, because they didn't rule him out immediately, means that I, I hope means <laughs> that it's nothing serious. Yeah. You hate to speculate or anything like that, but um, Legarius is a kind is a guy where they're manipulating him, they're moving him into space, and they're relying on him in zone. Once again, almost had an interception off of a deflected Mark Andrews pass where he covered a lot of ground to cover from the backside there and come up and almost make a play. We saw him do that last week, uh, you know, to Justin Herbert there. Spagnolo feels very comfortable with Rashad Fenton and Legarius Sneed moving them all over the place. They've run a lot of two invert this year. And that's that's a little bit surprising. You know, I don't typically Worst condone. coverage in football. <laughs> I, I, I I'm not a big fan of it, but it's worked so far. So these are situations where he obviously likes their intelligence, he likes their zone spacing, he likes the types of things that he can do with those two guys. And I think we saw that kind of pay big dividends earlier this week. I, obviously all twenty two comes out, we'll know more, but I would guess that Spagnolo really kind of leaned on some of those different looks to keep Lamar Jackson guessing. Speaking of Steve Spagnuolo, we deserve he deserves a ton of credit for this game. the The Ravens didn't score a touchdown defensively or offensively until the fourth quarter. Steve Spagnuolo, the 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 first drive was very rough. the The, the opening script it seemed like it was going to be a long night. They button up, they hold the Ravens to a field goal, and they get nothing but field goals until. 
the fourth quarter, Maddie. What a job by Steve Spagnolo. Well, even on the first drive, I mean, you're looking at two third down conversions that were just bad linebacker play to get down the field. So I don't even think that the game plan was necessarily that poor. It was just bad execution on a gap exchange between Frank Clark and Damian Wilson. Whoever was at fault, they both went to an interior gap, let Lamar Jackson slip out, and then Ben Neiman doing whatever he was on the option play. Like you just you can't remove those two plays, but outside the two plays, it's not like the Ravens offense was humming on that first drive. They had to complete or convert two third downs on those run plays that required mistakes to get down the field. So just like last year, Spagnolo's defense is great at stopping Lamar Jackson. He makes him look really bad. He confuses him pre-snap. He clogs the middle of the field with safeties, linebackers, other defensive backs buzzing in, trying to rob things on the other side. And that forces Lamar Jackson to make weird throws across his body or off his back foot that aren't very accurate or to challenge outside where he's just not nearly as effective as he is when he's throwing over the middle of the field. You add into that Frank Clark on one side is usually very good at setting the edge. It doesn't allow the Ravens to run their full offense to both sides of the field. Chris Jones had a good game up front. Like the entire Chiefs defense played pretty well actually outside of a couple select guys. And Steve Spagnuolo just has the perfect defensive counter to what the Baltimore Ravens try to do. And it's essentially clog the middle of the field, try to confuse him pre-snap. And it's worked two out of two times now. Yeah, it really has. Uh, Lamar Jackson wanted nothing to do with Tyron Matthew. Uh, you could tell that he wanted absolutely nothing to do with Tyron Matthew. He's probably still haunted by some of those plays that Matthew jumped in last year's matchup there. Didn't throw at him, didn't want anything to do with him. And so that resulted in him having to pull the ball down a little bit and more pressures and a bit more success for the Chiefs defense there. They allowed 228 net yards on defense. You will take that every single week. And that's that's outrageous. 13 points and 228 net yards to the Ravens. You tell me that going in, I say that they went by even more than what they do because this is that Spagnolo just did such a good job of taking everything away other than a 30-yard run scramble by Lamar Jackson early and a 24-yard run by Gus Edwards late that were really the two big explosive plays that you really had to worry about that were just poor fits there by the Chiefs front. I thought that they did pretty well on the day, especially considering the type of offense that the that the Baltimore Ravens can put on, on the field against you. I thought Greg Roman got outclassed mm -hmm. just flat out. And, you know, you... You hear a lot about what Greg Roman's done uh, in his time in Baltimore, and I mean, deservedly so. I mean, that that group, what the Chiefs just did to the Ravens is impressive. Like, make no make mistake about it. We're getting our jokes off because, first off, Chiefs fans, we're gonna be insufferable for the next fifteen years because we have the best player in the world, and other teams don't. Like, they shouldn't have let this happen. They should not have let Kansas City get Patrick LeVon Mahomes because now we're just going to be dragging people left and right when stuff like this happens, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But Greg Roman and the offense he's built with the players that he has has been exceptional. It really has, and I think he got outclassed. I do agree with Maddie from earlier. He didn't trust Lamar. Lil trust. Lil trust. Oh, no. There. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I went there. Uh you know there wasn't a ton of dropbacks for Lamar at all and i was some of the some of the third down calls i was just looking at i was going okay we're going to play action here really it's like third and seven really 
and he's like he's like like design rollouts and i was just i i I don't know it was bizarre it was really bizarre i think craig hit the nail on the head they were terrified of tyron matthew like if you think about it like on third down where do they want to throw the football over the middle of the field and i can't really think outside of that early third down stop that Tyron Matthew had on a Willie Steed little speed out where he was anywhere near where the pass was trying to go. I do think that whether it was Lamar or whether it was Greg Roman or maybe both, but like during the play, it looked like Lamar was trying to find Tyron Matthew before he made up his mind. It looked like they were trying to scheme plays away to get away from having to throw near him. And Tyron Matthew did have one of his best games last year against the Ravens. But like, I think that's a great point because they wanted nothing to do with throwing at 32. And 32 made sure to let everybody know that on Twitter, that they were terrified of him. So Tyron's in mid-season form, mid-season Twitter form. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, (laughs) One one change that happened, I believe, after the first drive Mm -hmm. uh, that was a positive, and maybe, maybe it was a response to how bad that first drive was and maybe some of the missed tackles. Free Willy! Bill Gay has been freed! Finally! Willie Gay uh, got to come in at the base Will linebacker position for Ben Neiman this week. A a move that Chiefs fans have kind of hoped for a long time. It's one that I didn't have a whole lot of faith in happening because, again, Greg Roman's a heck of a defensive or offensive coordinator. So I figured that the window dressing might be a little bit too much for a rookie in his first game. But Spagnuolo couldn't wait any longer. Puts Willie Gay in there in the base defense. And he was fine. <laughs> he still had some stuff that he needed to, to take care of. His angles are off, just like all the Chiefs linebackers. He's not the only one. But he does flash a little bit when making some penetration. He flashes a little bit when chasing away from the play. It's good to see him get on the field. He needs to be on the field. It did allow, they they trusted Damian Wilson, a guy that they kicked out in the slot a little bit more often the first two weeks that did allow Damian Wilson to kind of get down in a four-point stance and rush off the side, set a little bit of an edge. I felt like that actually helped a little bit on some of those early base down plays. But yeah, it's good to see the rookie get some play time. I bet we're going to see just more and more and more as we go forward this week. I hope so because I just I don't think that he's getting as much as you need him to get. If this team wants to repeat as a Super Bowl champion, they can do it without him. But it will make it a lot easier if they can get Willie Gay up to just some level of NFL speed because it looks like he's still a little uncomfortable out there on the field. When he gets on the field, he's still a little frenetic. He's trying to do a little bit of everything at once without dialing in on exactly what his assignment's supposed to be on that play. But he brings athleticism, physicality, and just a different edge that some of these other linebackers don't have for the team. So I want to see him get out there. I don't think that he is going to make some of the same mistakes that Ben Neiman has. He might make different ones, but he's not going to make the same ones. And at this point in time, a guy that can cover ground and get ball carriers of the ground is probably more beneficial than a guy to the team than a guy that's occasionally out of place. So it was good to see him out there. I think we just need to start seeing him get out there on coverage reps as the next, well, first more reps in general, but then you want to see them out there on more coverage snaps because I think we still didn't see hardly any of that out of him. I uh, I want Bill Gay to get as many opportunities as he can, and I want him to fail on the field. I want his mistakes to be made on the field. I want him to get in live reps. I want it to be happening there. I, I, I'm done 
not I'm done seeing Ben Neiman. I think we might have finally put an end to Ben Neiman and the Ben Neiman experiment, Maddie, because it was pretty bad. He's still the dime. He is still the very clear cut dime I'm just linebacker. Saying, it's the end of base Ben. Base Ben. <laughs> I just I think here's this is what I mean. He's lost the trust. They are not using him unless they feel they have to. And what they feel they have to use him is less than it was a week ago. And that's a huge win for this football team. Because even like the first drive, huge chance to I think it was on third down to get him get him get off the field. Couldn't make the tackle. Five yards after the after contact, first down. He's lost trust, Maddie. Mike Dana set him out for the set him up for the perfect stop. Mike Dana completely stuffed the quarterback part of the option, and he didn't even let Lamar get a quick pitch out. It was a slow, late, inaccurate pitch that the running back had to slow down for. And somehow Ben Neiman was still late getting to the sideline. Couldn't make it there when he did make contact. The guy got by. Yeah. I think there's a lack of trust. He's very smart. I do think he, on a whiteboard, he looks very good. He knows where he's supposed to be, and I think that's what makes him enticing. The problem is, if you're just a step behind, or in his case, two or three steps behind consistently, it doesn't matter if you know where you need to be. He just simply can't get there. Hopefully, the Chiefs are kind of turning the page on this. If you have to keep him as your dime linebacker because he knows all the coverages, so be it. But like, let's get more and more reps of athletes on the field because I think even in this game where the defense widely played very, very well, there it was evident at times that that second level, the linebacker group, lacks athleticism from the guys that get the most reps. Yeah, and Ben Neiman, to this point, speaking as his role as the dime linebacker here, has been targeted second most prior to this week of anybody on the team. And he's allowing 10.89 yards per catch. That's ludicrous. You're playing at the second level. You're supposed to gain depth and collapse on guys. We've seen what happens when he's been targeted as the dime linebacker. He misses tackles. He's late to the catch point. That can't happen with your dime linebacker. Good teams, I know that we've said this time and time again, good teams will beat you up. Teams that are a little more efficient can really take advantage of that. I I just wonder how long he's set for that role even because, frankly, he hasn't been particularly good in that role thus far this year. It's coming, and Bill Gay's coming. Just give it time. This is a great start for this. Just It's a great start. Um, I mean, but Bill... Willie Gay's got a ways to go. The transition, I mean, it's been tough for a lot of linebackers or guys playing linebacker like Isaiah Simmons this year uh, who might be moving to safety. Woof. But, Woof. yeah, because he probably should because, yeah. But the point remains, you know, it's a tough transition. This offseason, he's a guy that's ha- it's a little bit behind. Um, but let him, let's let him fail on the field. Let's, let's, get him, let's get him in there and get him, get him going. I think it's time. Um I think we got to close with this. Some underrated players from this game. Maddie, why don't you just list one or two off? We'll just get going that way. Yeah, no, let's all take an unheralded hero here. I will take Tedrick Thompson. I watched Tedrick Thompson when the Chiefs signed him from Seattle as a deep safety. 
I was very, very underwhelmed by his film. I even had Craig Stout confirm that the film was not particularly good because it looked like a guy that did not belong on the field. Boy, was I, we, I'm I'm taking him down with me wrong on this one. Mm -hmm. Tedrick Thompson Mm -hmm. has been 10 times as good with the Chiefs as he ever was for Seattle. And it's been a little bit more limited role. He's not a full-time player. He's not asked to be a kind of focal point of our defense like he was that particular Seattle cover three. But he makes a player two every week. He's all of a sudden decided that he knows how to hit and tackle players because he's been a very good tackler for the Chiefs. And that's something he struggled with all the way back to probably high school, but at least in college. He makes a couple nice plays in the ball. He shows quality range, a high IQ. And when he decides to come downhill, man, he comes downhill with some force, whether against the run or that crossing route that he blew up Hollywood Brown on today. Like he's making a couple plays every week. I would go as far to say that I think he's playing better football than Juan Thornhill right now. He's not playing as many snaps, so it's hard to grade them apples to apples, but I think he is playing better football than Juan Thornhill is right now. I'm not saying you should replace him, but if you can find a way to get him more snaps over Dan Sorensen or Antonio Hamilton, I'm probably clapping and not shedding any tears. Yeah, Tedrick Thompson has fairly clearly been the Chiefs' second best safety in his limited snaps here, and Antonio Hamilton may not get his dime reps back if Tedrick Thompson is going to keep playing like this. My guy that played is pretty well today, for him especially, was Anthony Hitchens. Anthony Hitchens blew up a screen. Anthony Hitchens had a a kind of swat that uh, would have been a PBU if the refs didn't call a BS penalty on Damian Wilson there. He flashed a little bit. For Anthony Hitchens, that's a great game because the Chiefs seemed pretty organized up front. They seemed all on the same page. He looked pretty good, and that's about the best that you can hope for after the snap. We know that he's the guy there on the field simply because he knows the defense. He gets everybody aligned. After that, anything you get from him sometimes is all all you can hope for, but frankly, he was pretty decent today bordering on good. That's good for Anthony Hitchens. If he continues that way, if he plays fast like that, if he continues to play that way, the Chiefs might be able to get through this season without everybody cursing his name every time he sets foot on the field. I'm going to tee one up for Maddie because he needs to, you know, he deserves the credit for this one. Uh, But I am going to go with someone else and then tee it up. Uh, Mike Dana, I thought did some really solid things this week. It's all about, and it's not about any explosive, you know, rush off the edge. It's all about discipline in your rush lanes, discipline in the run game. He did his job very sound, very disciplined in his keys, and he was consistently disciplined throughout the game. There was a couple plays he stretched to the sideline, forced Lamar to adjust, gave other people a chance to get to make a play at the sidelines. Really, you saw the value of a Mike Dana. Uh, and Maddie said this in the DMs today. If you took Mike Dana on first down and Taco Charlton on second and third down, you have yourself a pretty good pass rusher. And that's another underrated guy. Teen it up for Maddie. Talk about your boy Taco. Yeah, no, 
no, I just say Mike Dana played very well. I think he was actually a pivotal part of kind of what the Chiefs wanted to do. Across from Frank Clark, he might have been the best defensive end in terms of playing some of the option stuff that the Ravens tried to do. He did excellent with it, and he's been pretty good each week, holding contained, doing his job, playing very smart brand of football. He just lacks some dynamic ability for me to really fall in love with him like I know some other fans have, which is fine. Like, he's a been a very good player. He just lacks a little bit of dynamic ability. Taco Charlton does not. He looks so dynamic compared to Passigno or compared to Dana or in some of the defensive tackles not named Chris Jones. When he's on the field and I don't see the sleeves on the play, I have to take a second and try to figure out if it's Frank Clark or Taco Charlton because they're both pretty long. They both have similar rush plans, but they both move at a different speed than other guys. Like He's been an excellent third down pass rusher for the Chiefs. I don't know if he always knows his perfect assignment. I don't know if he's as assignment sound as a Frank Clark or a Mike Dana has been, but when rushing the passer, he's been quite effective for the Chiefs, and I think that first week having him be inactive was a complete mistake. Not that I don't know who you would kick out for him. He's just been so productive when he's been on the field. He's been a good quality pass rusher. He's a great compliment to pair with Mike Dana to get some reps across from Frank Clark or in his place when you're trying to give him some rest. All right, guys, final thoughts on the week three evisceration of one of the best teams in football on their home field on national television on Monday Night Football. Uh, what you think, Craig? I said when we were doing our game preview that I thought Andy Reid was going to come out with an A script. And you guys, we got the A++++ script from Andy Reid, including my player of the week last week, Eric Fisher, catching a touchdown pass in the red zone. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. We got to see a lot of creativity. Bill Belichick, his head's spinning a little bit right now. He's got to prepare for the Chiefs offense coming off of this week, and he's got to try and put together something to try and stop what the Chiefs have done here. I think we're going to see a similar amount of creativity going forward for the next couple weeks. Andy trying to put a stamp on some good defenses, guys that have been credited as really good defenses. So it was really nice to see, and it was really nice to see them execute at a high level. So from that regard, I think that should give you some faith going forward. So cut to four weeks from now when we're going, why are they not playing like they were against Baltimore? What's wrong with this team? And freaking out once again. So I was one of the few people that had picked the Baltimore Ravens to win this game and Arrowhead Pride. I have now lost my commanding lead over the Arrowhead Pride team pick them because I lost this game. I'm okay with that because not only did the Chiefs win, but I said if the teams play at the same level, if both teams come out with playing an A-level game or both teams play a B-level game, the Chiefs are going to win. It's going to be pretty easy. Like I felt very confident saying if they played to their same level of their capabilities, the Chiefs would win. I just had more faith that the Baltimore Ravens would do that because they seem to always do so. Well, boy, was that part wrong because the Chiefs came out and played incredibly well in 98% of the possibilities of football. The Baltimore Ravens, I don't think, put their best foot forward. I do think they were outplayed. I just don't think they put their best foot forward. They had a lot of miscommunications on defense. Their offense didn't seem to know what their identity was. The Chiefs did exactly what they wanted to on offense or defense any point in time that they wanted to, they were the more prepared, the better coached team. And then having better players, starting with Patrick Mahomes, 
yeah, you're going to have a pretty big victory. So I'm happy to be wrong of picking the Ravens. Like I said, the Chiefs came out. Like Craig said, I said, I'm sure Kent said at some point in time, if the Chiefs are prepared and ready for this game, if they're bringing their best game plan, something they didn't do against the Chargers, they were going to beat the Ravens, and they did just that. Andy Reid played a little coy the first two weeks and brought out the good stuff in a game that he knew was for the one seed. This game was for the one seed, let's be honest. I don't really see a ton of teams really creeping up and sneaking up on either of these two football teams. These are the two best teams in the AFC. The Chiefs have essentially a two-game lead on Baltimore. Because Baltimore has to have a better record than the Chiefs now in order to overtake them for the one seed. It's week three, I understand, and it's but it's time to count your chickens. Because that was for the one seed. I just I don't see a ton of a ton of games going differently for the Kansas City Chiefs than what happened tonight. They're primed to be the only team to get a bye in the AFC champ or in the AFC side of the of the bracket. Uh, and they're doing it on the backs of the best player in the world. Y'all can shut up about any debates. The best player in the world resides in Kansas City. I don't know how many times we have to tell you, but keep but keep but keep doubting, please. And hopefully it's numerical so Mahomes can count on one hand when y'all try to disrespect him differently. Please do that. That's gonna do it for a very fun, very enjoyable post game show. A lot more fun than last week, the AP Laboratory post game show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with the mailbag later. Stop comparing other quarterbacks to Patrick LaVon Mahomes.